It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different Hey everyone, and welcome to the Growth Hub podcast brought to you by growth marketing agency Advance B2B. It's your host here, Edward Ford, and joining us today on the show is Phil Byrne, onboarding and activation lead at Intercom. Now, after working in product education and customer marketing, Phil now leads customer engagement, helping Intercom users get activated and onboarded onto the product. In this episode, we look at how you can turn your new users into long-term paying customers as Phil talks us through the Intercom playbook for onboarding and activation. We look at how you can build multiple onboarding flows based on user intent, how Intercom defines their aha moment and how Phil and the team help users reach it, how to maintain communication after a trial is complete to boost free-to-paid conversions, and we also hear how Intercom's onboarding team worked with marketing to ensure they're delivering good fit users, which will of course set people up on the right path for retention and expansion with the product over the long term. Now, as ever, Phil takes on our Fast 5 challenge, but I must add a disclaimer that I actually forgot to mention this to Phil before we recorded the episode, so I well and truly put him on the spot here, so make sure you stay tuned for that at the end. So, without further ado, here we go with episode 38 of the Growth Hub podcast with Phil Byrne, onboarding and activation lead at Intercom. Welcome to another episode of the Growth Hub podcast, and it's my pleasure to welcome Phil Byrne, onboarding and activation lead at Intercom, to the show. So, Phil, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Growth Hub podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Edward. Great to be here. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this episode for some time, and before we jump in, we're going to be throwing around a lot of terms in this discussion, like onboarding, engagement, conversion, activation, and so on. So let's actually start off by clarifying two of the most important terms. So what does onboarding and activation mean at Intercom? And what are the actual differences between these two terms? Okay, that's super interesting. And yeah, it's really right to try and define those right at the outset because I suppose activation can mean different things to different companies too. So I'll obviously be covering, I suppose, intercom examples because that's what I have the most experience of. Uh, but that's something which we ourselves often conflate as well. And it's really simple to get it wrong, but really important to clarify things and make sure that your definition of onboarding isn't just activation. So what we call activation in intercom are, I suppose, the most important steps that any new customer can take, that, that customer being a business, to, I suppose, have a meaningful use of your product insofar as it means they've got a really high propensity to become a long-term, happy, uh, very valuable customer. So um, that's important from a business point of view, that you know these kind of checklist or milestone steps that a new business has to take in its first couple of weeks to mean that they're gonna essentially convert into a really good customer. Onboarding can be part of that and is part of that. So you need to onboard your new users to reach those activation steps and, and meet those milestones. But then you've gotta make sure that you're still onboarding the new users because activation is a singular point in time. So a new business that signs up for your product gets activated maybe after you know a week or two weeks if they've done X, Y, Z, that means that they're using your product in the, the right and best way for them. 
but once they're activated, they're activated. However, you still need to onboard every new users, uh, every new user in that company as well. And if you take your eye off the ball in that respect, you're not setting yourself up for, for a good level of retention as well because you're optimizing just for that trial period to, to help people see value and convert them, but you're not optimizing for the long term by ensuring each new user has a successful first easier product. Yeah, so we could say then that activation is a specific point in time, whereas onboarding is more of an ongoing process and activation is typically looking at things from the company perspective and onboarding more from the user perspective. Is, is, is that sort of a good way to look at it? Exactly. And there's definitely going to be a crossover there when your new first user comes in. So that will be your buyer for the product. They're definitely going to be onboarded, but they're being onboarded with a view to activating that new um, company that they represent in your product. However, like their onboarding, even though it is still onboarding, may be different than onboarding the nth user, as we call them. So any user after the first user who essentially may not be setting up the workspace, but may actually need a different type of onboarding, which may be more optimized for their particular role and the actual work that they're gonna do in your product day in and day out. So both these things are onboarding, but different types of onboarding. Yeah, exactly. And I, I guess the main objective then for onboarding from the business perspective is of course to turn free trial users into paying customers. And that's done by providing the best possible user experience. And at Intercom, you actually do that by asking users about their intent for using yeah. the product and onboarding them in such a way that they can see that value quickly. So let's dig into this a little more. So how do you actually do that in practice? And can you tell us about the different onboarding paths that you have based on these different user intent? Sure. Um, I'll take things back a little step and just bring it back to the world before we had that actually. So it might show why we needed to. And this is going to be different for uh, any of your listeners' products, depending on the scale of their product and the complexity of it. If you have a super simple product that maybe only really performs uh, or is optimized for one job, then this might not be essential. Uh, there might be a good chance that all of your new incoming users essentially have the same problem to solve with your product, in which case the intent survey may not be uh, of a massive benefit. It may actually just be a step to get in the way. Um, but in Intercom, over the years, uh, our products become more complex as, we, as we've tried to help more of our customers do more things. And what we found then was that even though we sell, I suppose, four different use cases for our product, there's an acquire solution, which is for uh, helping our customers turn more visitors to their website into happy paying customers. There is our engage use case, which helps people reach out to their uh, signed up customer base. And then there's our support and retain use case as well, which helps people support their customers. And then what we find our most popular uh, use case that people buy is all of Intercom. So we find a lot of people that come to trial don't have an exact idea of what they want to do with the product. And we're kind of victims of our own success here and that people see the Intercom Messenger on a, a bunch of other company sites. They, they see it, they've liked their interactions through it, and they essentially come to us saying, we want to buy Intercom. And they don't really know what for. Maybe they do deep down, but when they come to us, they just want to replicate an experience that they've had somewhere. Um, so that meant that we had this one-size-fits-all onboarding that wasn't really suitable to fitting all. And we knew we could do things better. And we tried to be way too clever in the, the start of this to try and get this kind of inferred intent based on someone's actual usage. They sign up, they're, they're starting a free trial, 
because it's free, why would you not trial everything? I suppose you've got access to all this stuff, why limit it? And so they signed up for everything. And then we tried to kind of guess, okay, this person has set up the messenger on their marketing site and they set up an auto message for their visitors. Okay, let's, uh, we, we can take a pretty good guess that they're our acquire use case because they're turning visitors into customers. And then we start sending them on the onboarding path for our acquire solution. However, we were just being a little bit too clever. And what our users felt was that, you know, there was just too many, you know, maybe untargeted messages. We were getting it wrong sometimes. So it ended up being a great indicator that we should just really ask people what they want to do and try and put the right words in front of them to make them actually pause for a little while and think of what they really wanted to get out of the product. So we kind of um, cupcake this a little bit with an in-app post message that, sign that appeared for all our new signups. And we A-B tested this as well, obviously, where this welcome message came up welcoming everybody to our product and having a little drop down and said, hey, what would you like Intercom to help you do the most? And we had four examples. It was, um, or four options. Uh, acquire customers, uh, engage with uh, my customer base and support and retain my customers. I can't remember the exact words, but they aligned to the other use cases that we sold. And then there was another option, which was all of the above. And we found that that was great it paused users or caused users to pause, have a think, and we got way more uh, engagement with that message and more people actually choosing something uh, that they wanted help with first. And that meant that we were putting people onto the right onboarding campaign. And if someone says all of the above, it just meant that we had another campaign, which kind of was all the hits from all the different solutions that they could have as well. So the success that we saw with that cupcake version was a great indicator that we needed to turn this into something a little bit more part of the journey from the marketing site through the uh, purchase flow and into the product as well. And that became the intent survey that you mentioned earlier, where we have three steps to it. The first question asks users what they want to do. We also had a, a survey group with a bunch of actual live humans, which is always handy, uh, and asked them what they wanted Intercom to do. And we kind of reverse engineered based on the actual words that they used to find the right words that align better to our customers' mental models of what they wanted to do. So we've got, I think, six choices of that, which also align to our use cases that we sell. Then our second step of that survey, we ask people, okay, let's say they say, I want to acquire new users. We ask them, how do you want to do that? And then we have the different features, I suppose, on the products that they're starting with. So you can acquire users with pop-up messages or in-app messages, or you can acquire users with chatbots, or you want to send emails, or you want to have self-help uh, self-help self content uh, so you've got all the the channels essentially that you can use and then the third part of the survey is a really important one as well and that's the role that somebody is at as well because that was another really valuable filter for putting that information through because again the the buyer of a product won't necessarily need the same information as the um someone who's going to be in the inbox every day at the at the call front really um doing their work in the product as opposed to selecting the product setting it up and then passing it off onto the actual support team or sales team. Wow, that's great. And you mentioned there that there's those three questions that you use to filter new users. So if we think about the combinations, there's quite a lot there. If you're asking, what do you want to do with Intercom? And there's six choices. And then from there, there's um, how do you actually want to, to do that? So I'm guessing there's a lot of combinations and options there. So how many different onboarding flows did you have in the end and how did you manage all, all those different paths that users can take especially based on the role that they have which is 
of course going to be different as well. Yeah. Well, our initial sketches, we tried to size it up and, you know, come up with the amount of permutations that that would be, and it ended up being absolutely unmanageable. So we weren't going to have this really, really specific flow for every single possibility that someone could have. It would be impossible to maintain. It would take, you know, ages to set up. Um, and what these surveys actually were, even though there might be six options, or maybe it's nine options, in the initial survey for, you know, what use case you want to sign up for, there might actually be, you know, say multiple, say three of those choices will actually align to one of our use cases. So someone might say, or, or let's say they say, I want to engage with my customers, or I want to onboard new users, or I want to um, send outbound marketing. All of those options will actually align to our engage use case. And that's the kind of product mix that you get with our engage use case. But it was important to actually put the right words and options in front of customers. So it's not simply just the illusion of choice, but it's giving them the different options that they may actually, that may resonate with them and use the right words to map to their mental model of what they need a new product to do for them, even though that might funnel them just into one uh, campaign. So we ended up with, I think we have nine campaigns and they are all doing specific jobs. So we have say, an acquire campaign, an engage campaign, and a support campaign. And then the one that I mentioned before, which is kind of, uh, if someone wants to do all of Intercom, we just kind of have the, the, the best of all of those, uh, the most key things that someone could be doing. And then once you are, as well as considered onboarded or activated, depending on who in each of those, it kind of then hands off into our more delightful kind of areas of Intercom where we're trying to get some more uh, of the, more appreciated, more beautiful moments of intercom that might not be as business critical, but still keep up, keep people invested. And once they've done the hard work of getting intercom set up or their workspace set up, this shows them all the the nice little things that that the UI does and and, and the, the workflows you can have that will be the things to keep people invested and give them back a little boost of energy once they've done that uh, onboarding setup, where you kind of can have messaging fatigue or even product fatigue at that point. Yeah, that's great. And I guess once someone has made their choice or has enrolled in one of the nine campaigns you have, the goal then of onboarding is to activate users within your two-week trial period so that they convert. And in SaaS, activation is often defined as reaching the so-called aha moment, which mm -hmm. is often quantified as, as the North Star metric. So what is that aha moment for you at Intercom and how do you help people reach it? Um, well, as we have so many different use cases, we do have, I suppose, multiple aha moments. And you suppose, I suppose you can't really pick one as well. Uh, it can be hard to pick one rather that any particular user or buyer might have a different definition of their aha moment in intercom, depending on what they feel is most impressive to them or resonates more deeply with the problem that they've got to solve. Um, so we have a few different ones that we try and get people to arrive to. What we ended up doing was we found that because Intercom requires people to do something which requires a lot of trust, uh, and that's installing some JavaScript on their, their marketing site or into their app, we found out that we needed to get those aha moments in actually earlier than that. Because that can take, depending on the size of the company and the role someone has, uh, like that's one of our key things we need people to do is install that Intercom JavaScript code for the messenger. And that could take a couple of days to do, depending on if someone hadn't got the keys to their uh, domain, it might uh, involve them enlisting an engineer, and that might 
uh, mean waiting a couple of days to get someone's time to do that. In which case, because you're trialing a, another product, uh, or maybe someone's trialing two or three products, your, I suppose, mind share that you've got with them is, is depleting all the time. So we ended up productizing our aha moments, even though they are elsewhere in the product. It may take you too long to get to them in the actual 100% real way that you would do. So we ended up taking those aha moments, kind of creating a Fisher-Price version of them and letting customers see and perceive the value and, and visualize the value that they would have with a, a new thing that we launched um, back in February, which is our new onboarding home, which is within the product. And we let people essentially trial the messenger, set up some auto messages, play around with it, and actually customize it, upload their logo, upload uh, their, their company colors, and reach that aha moment. So the main aha moment, <laughs> to actually answer your question, the main aha moment that most people have is seeing the messenger on their own site, in their own product colors, with their own logo, and with their, their own face or avatar in that, and seeing how they would be able to chat to their visitors or support their users in a really easy, lightweight, but very, very powerful way. So we took all those steps, uh, amalgamated them into this kind of sandbox that they could play around with, and put that in front of our new users straight away. Uh, and it didn't require anything to be installed. Any of the work that they did there to actually see that uh, success up front was filtered down into other areas of the product. So if they set up a, their own customized welcome message or, or maybe a, a sales message for their pricing page, that was actually being fed into the, the proper version of the product. So it was all there ready to go once they'd seen that value. Um, so we found that aha moments were great. We found them out, but we found out that even though they were really, really important to get users to, getting the users to them proves harder than getting them to the users quicker. So we actually ended up productizing those aha moments and getting them um, bumped up the queue as it were. There's another aha moment, which is a major one for our um, users who have a logged in model. So if your business, this is mostly for B2B businesses, if someone has a model where they sell to customers who can log in and have accounts like your standard kind of SaaS B2B business, um, when someone installs that same piece of JavaScript, it's not just about loading the messenger, they can actually see everything that their logged in customers are doing at any one time. So if you've got uh, in data passed to intercom on, let's say your project management app and someone sets up their first project, that will instantly update on the back end of intercom. You can see, oh, I've got 200 users online right now. Oh, five users have just set up their first project. Uh, six users have just uploaded an avatar. You can track all that stuff in real time and you can really easily see how you can leverage the rest of the power of intercom as well. So you could see, okay, all these users are doing this. What about all the users who haven't set up their first project? You can easily just uh, click to create an auto message that will send to those users to promote that uh, activity as well. So that's a major aha moment for people as well, is getting that logged in version of the messenger uh, installed and seeing that live customer data and tracking that kind of custom data that only you will know that's important for your business and being able to leverage all the other products that Intercom has, like our bots, like our auto messages, like our articles, to promote whatever business activity you need uh, and doing it in a really super lightweight way. Yeah, this is great. And I think as a marketer, I can definitely re relate to that first aha moment you were talking about, about getting your chat tool up and running with your company logo and colors there. And I think also really good to point out that there's no one single aha moment to actually 
rule them all, but each person has their own unique aha moment and you just need to make sure you cater to all those different users. And, and the fact that you also productize them as well is super interesting. And I think that when it actually comes to onboarding and the onboarding process, there is this balance, especially in SaaS, between the low or no touch automation and the high touch uh, personalization. So how do you decide between who goes through more of a self-serve automated onboarding path and who goes through the higher touch, more personalized path? And what are the differences between those experiences at Intercom? Cool. Yeah. Interesting question. Uh, interesting because it can be really easy to jump to a conclusion here as well. And that's our mindset a couple of years ago as well. And the easiest way to cut this is obviously going to be money. So you're really, really high paying sales on like your enterprise customers, it stands to reason that they're going to get a way higher touch version of onboarding or any kind of uh, account management than your maybe freemium version or your, you know, one to two person startups. And that's absolutely, that absolutely makes sense. You're, you're not going to be able to give an absolute white glove service to your free customers, but you don't want to take the self-serve option away from your more higher spending customers because a lot of people these days are really, really comfortable with just getting started themselves. And if you are, I suppose, internet literate and you've been using SaaS products and a lot of our new customers have used another tool in this space before as well. So they're not starting from scratch essentially. Um, and the, the further up the ladder you go uh, and you start getting into SMB, MME companies, enterprise companies, it, there's a way higher chance that everybody in there has used a similar tool. Whereas if you're selling to uh, smaller companies, this might be their first chat tool or might be their first whatever product that you sell is for the, uh, the SaaS market. Um, so these people won't want to have to wait for a sales call. They may not want to have to wait to get their uh, customized onboarding guide delivered to them by their customer success manager. There's definitely a fine balance to strike there between enabling self-serve for these users as well and you have to make sure that that content is really really top-notch as well if you're going to be enabling self-serve options for high spend customers um and it's absolutely worth investing in as well and I, I know anytime we're selecting a vendor um and going through that process which can be really really painful and takes a long time um knowing that they've got great help content so that i don't have to wait to get a, a call back or a, an email back from my account manager it really goes a long way into helping us make that decision. If they've got great self-serve content, I'm way more likely to actually pick up that product because I know I don't have to wait 24 hours or however long it might take. And I know there's a good chance I'll try it. Uh, I will be able to solve that problem myself. And I always will. And that's uh, a lot of people are in the same mindset as me. I would rather spend 15 minutes trying and failing to, to see how to do something before I'll just pick up the phone or drop an email to my account manager just because I'd rather just do that anyway. It might be some sort of um, in introversion <laughs> on my part, but I way rather self-serve myself anyway. And that doesn't just go away the more money you spend. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Some super good points there. And one thing I'd love to ask is that, do your users, do they typically convert during the trial or is it something that happens afterwards? And if so, how do you actually maintain communication after trial to boost conversion of free trial users into paying customers? Um, interesting. And that's, I suppose, conversion is a, a difficult word as well because that can mean 
a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, we have in Intercom, most of our users are on a two-week trial period. Um, we see most activations before the end of that trial period. So we do try and activate customers before our new accounts before the end of that trial period. If someone has reached a two-week trial period and hasn't activated, we do see a lot of people still converting and seeing enough value in the product or potential value to be happy enough to let us charge their credit card at the end of that two weeks. But we definitely optimize our onboarding home and our messaging campaigns to enable people to see as much value in Intercom as quickly as possible and to activate their new accounts as quickly as possible so that it will be a no-brainer to let us charge their credit card after two weeks. Um, we definitely do see the higher up our customers go in their, their traditional sales tiers, uh, the longer it will take to activate. And we do have longer periods. So, you know, if you're on our kind of base level, um, our base level um, normal essential products, most people will be activating in a couple of days. Um, whereas if you are an MME customer, it, the rollout can take much longer. You need people to uh, sign off on certain things. There's definitely uh, a much longer onboarding path, which in turn means a longer time to activate as well. So those guys may be on a, a custom plan and they won't be adhering or be made to adhere to the 14-day trial period. Yeah, exactly. And I guess onboarding isn't just about converting in the short term, but setting people on the right path for retention and expansion with the product over the long term. So how do you actually build that into your product onboarding and activation during your free trial? Um, hard during the free trial because retention is something that is a concern forever. Um, so you've really good, just got to try your best during the onboarding period, I think, to set people up for success initially and to onboard them as well as possible so that you are making sure that they retain into the, the product for the medium to long term and then we have like different retention campaigns as well so it's definitely a different job uh onboarding and retention as well you've got to be really careful as well that you don't try and do too much too soon as well if you start trying to get your engagement material in front of customers too early they may not be ready for that as well and you've got to consider people who are trialing your product or an end user with an already activated product who is onboarding to your um, account or onboarding to your product has a lot on their plate. If they've just started a new role in maybe a, an already built out marketing department, which is already using Intercom, they've got to meet their teammates. They've got to set their whole account up. They've got to make sure that their Slack login is working or whatever. They've got to make sure they're in the right groups. They've got to make sure that they've got their um, login, their, their fob from IT. You can't just be, sending them this barrage of messages on day one as soon as they get their intercom login. You've got to try to be mindful of that as well and try the, the, the way that we found uh, is trying to let the user self-serve as much and being contextual as well. So you're not going to get, you know, 30 different emails from us in the first couple of days telling you how to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, it will wait until you maybe haven't done a particular thing in the product for a couple of days based on the intent that you had when you signed up and then we'll start nudging you in particular directions. Um, by doing that and being more mindful of people's time and by being more mindful of people's onboarding energy as, as we think of it, you can ensure that you're setting things up uh, with a nice cadence 
whereby you're going to be doling out information in a good sustainable level and that leads to better retention as well in the long run that you're not just fighting for someone's attention too hard at the start and kind of sending them too much um whereas like whereby they'll just see your onboarding or messaging content as annoying and are more likely to switch it off uh, and then you're in a really dangerous place because they're not going to get any messaging from you and that really shoots you in the foot with regard to retention uh, you're much better off being way more thoughtful about how you're doing it at the outset just to get that kind of minimal level of adoption from your user asking them what else they'd want to know and then making sure you're being data-led as well uh, for your retention um, efforts so after the first month have an onboarding you know have a check-in message ask them how things are going would they like to know more about xyz and using something like intercom but there's different tools that can do it obviously um, you'll know at a data level their particular usage so let's say they have an intent to um, engage users but you'll know maybe after the first month they haven't set up a particular message type you might be mindful of that in your message as well and say hey um, we see that you're doing great work in intercom uh, but you haven't set up your first campaign yet if you'd like to know more about this just click here so trying to be as unannoying as possible will set you up for success in the long run if you try and uh, optimize for the short term by getting as like too many messages in front of them uh, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot from a retention point of view as well yeah exactly this is super good and super super important and actually if, if we even go a step further back onboarding is only going to be as successful as having the right fit users coming through the door in the first place so mm -hmm. how do you actually work with marketing and ensure that marketing is delivering right fit users in the first place and how do you give feedback to to your marketing team on how they're doing in terms of uh, bringing new users through the door that's a really delicate delicate uh, thing to, to get right um, what you just touched on there and you're absolutely right and sometimes it can be easy to overlook that as well and we've been there in the past where you know you're seeing because we obviously pay attention to the amount of people that convert from trials to paying customers and sometimes you'll see a drop in that in a particular month or over a particular quarter it was down x percent but then you might also see that there were um maybe poorer fit mqls driven from a, a difficult campaign or a campaign that wasn't targeted enough or we tried a new channel and that didn't work out so you have to slice up the data a little bit differently and you might get the truer picture of it but there's definitely a fine line to tread there between trying to hit more ambitious MQL targets all the time and making sure that you've got the right MQLs and better quality MQLs. Because uh, if you just kind of open the floodgates there, you're obviously in danger of tapping out a, a market and in passing off too many leads to your either your sales or your sales uh, team as well for onboarding. So. I suppose there's no one magic bullet to get that right. You've just got to make sure that your MQLs are qualified enough to actually get sent to those landing pages to actually be given that call to action to actually make them sign up or, or ask them to sign up. Um, and by doing so, you're going to make sure that you're not, I suppose, artificially inflating the top of the funnel and then seeing way fewer conversions than you'd like at the bottom. Um, but that's up to each individual team as well. If you're a demand generation team, have a particular target to hit, and they're they're uh, absolutely dead set on it. They're they're going to try hit that target. So it's up to you to try and meet that barrage of MQLs in the best way possible. So if you can get the jump on that by staying close to their campaigns, all the better. So that you can use the same kind of messaging, same kind of story, 
that might resonate with those particular people a little bit more and hand them off into there may be a, one or two different custom messages at the start of their experience which will ensure a better fit um, and ensure that you're sending them a little bit more of a customized campaign for them so you're not getting um, a bit of a, a disjointed handoff between maybe a, a paid ad a landing page the sign up flow and then if that all stops by the time they reach the product it can cause a little bit of confusion a little bit of a feeling of a, a bait and switch so if you can actually bring some of that marketing inside the product um, and just be aware that you're essentially always still in in sales mode during a trial and carry that marketing message all the way through you're going to see more likelihood that those customers will uh, stick around and actually convert yeah absolutely and i think this is definitely a responsibility on the marketing side of things and that marketing teams are really chasing the right numbers and that it's not just quantity of leads or trials or signups or mqls or however you're actually measuring success in the marketing team but also the quality of those contacts because i'm pretty sure any sales rep would would probably take fewer good quality leads uh, or mqls rather than being overwhelmed by a barrage of really bad fit leads so um yeah super super important that we have the alignment there and i think one question i would love to ask before we wrap up and move to the fast five challenge and that is actually how do you actually the what challenge the fast five challenge i didn't know you, about a challenge okay don't fast worry challenge. you're gonna do fine you'll do fine it hurt. no it won't hurt definitely won't and 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 that is actually how do you measure the the performance of your onboarding and activation efforts? What kind of numbers are you, are you looking at and, and how do you optimize on an ongoing process uh, your onboarding and activation efforts? Okay, so we've got a few different things that we pay attention to. We've got an overall dashboard with conversions from trial to paid. And that's what ultimately is the figure that we are um, not fully responsible for, but there's obviously an attribution metric there where it's the, the thing, the metric we're most interested in. Um, so that's for all new accounts that get opened, how many of them actually activate and how many to convert from trial to paid. Um, so there's the activation figure, there's the conversion from trial to paid, but then there's also the much more fuzzy definition of when is a user onboarded successfully as well. Because it's super easy to forget about that when you're just looking at companies and dollars and um, percentages like that from, from activations and conversions. But it's too easy when you're doing that to forget about the humans involved and how are these people seeing success. So the more fuzzy metrics will be, um, you know, is a user onboarded? And that's up to you to define for your business. What defines when a new user has seen a good experience in our product? And that's really important to try and define. It's a very, like I said, it's a very fuzzy thing, but you should at least have some sort of zone that you're happy with there. also, we get down to things at a message level as well. So in each one of our different campaigns, they all contain multiple different messages, which are multiple different message types. So we can have you know, pointer messages, we can have uh, pop-up messages like the little visitor auto messages or user auto messages. We've got the full screen post messages as well. We've got our bots and we look at all of those and look at the different conversion rates of each one of those messages. So they might be trying to get a new user to um, interact with something they have access to. So let's say we know someone that starts as a support rep and has access to our inbox product. If after X amount of days, they've gotten this message that says you should reply to people from the inbox if they haven't done a reply yet. And if they click on that link in that message and go visit their inbox and, and reply, that message 
uh, is deemed a success. So that will get a percentage point. So we track these important messages as well, just to make sure that they are being the best they can be. We Every single one of those anchor messages has an A-B test running almost all the time as well. So we're always trying to optimize that stuff. So there's definitely a funnel of success there. We go with our um, trial to paid activation rates and they're both company metrics. And then we have our, our user level stuff as well. So is someone onboarded? And then we also have the individual much more granular message um, conversion rates as well. So they can be as simple as a click or they can be uh, targeting user data like our custom data in intercom so if someone gets this particular message to try and promote them uploading an avatar have they uploaded an avatar after getting it and then if they have happy days and we're always iterating on those and see how we can do better yeah perfect this is great and i just actually realized now that you mentioned that i never actually told you about this fast five challenge and it's a question or a set of questions we ask every guest at the end of each episode so this is going to okay. be totally raw and nice. you are going to be 100% on the spot. And the basic idea is that I will just ask five rapid fire questions to round out the episode and you just need to answer as quickly as possible. So Phil, are you ready? You haven't had much time to prepare, but are you ready? For no time, time, Edward. I think it's the exact amount of time I've had to prepare, but let's go. All right, let's do it. So the first question we ask is what is the one book that you would recommend others to read? It's a cheesy one, but it's the Start With Why book by Simon Sinek. Okay, excellent. And that's actually not the first time this has come up on the, yeah, the, and, and the podcast. That's, this is gonna ruin your Fast Five challenge, uh, but I think it's super important for somebody in an onboarding role as well. And it's something that people forget about with onboarding with that job, especially in the world of SaaS, when you've got users who essentially need to choose your product every month to keep paying you, you need to be benefits led in your messaging all the time. So you need to be telling people not just how to do things, but why to do things all the time. And that's something we were uh, fucking up with essentially. And then we rebooted our onboarding campaigns, brought our messages to be much more uh, marketing focused and selling the product, uh, not in a, a, a nasty way because people would already own our product a lot of the time, but just outlining the benefits and showing customer stories showing people the success they could have and why they should do this particular thing and not just, oh, you should do this thing. And we saw way more success with our onboarding that way. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, then the second question is a SaaS company that you love and why? A SaaS company that I love and why? I love Wistia. Uh, they're a video platform. Uh, we've used them in Intercom for a couple of years. Uh, they have a few technical um tricks that they do which make them the video platform of choice for us over other ones like Vimeo or YouTube but one of the great reasons why we choose them every month is they just have a great ethos they are great guys we've met with them a couple of times they are really honest really solid company with great heart and they have great support as well and essentially anything you want to do with them they will be able to do or will find a reason why they can't do it uh, or be really honest, sorry, be really honest about why they can't do it. Or if it's something that is a feature request, they'll take it to heart and you will hear about it when they actually manage to get to that, whether it makes it to the roadmap or not. Um, they just got great follow through like that. So they're absolutely a, a company I'd look up to for anybody. Yeah, definitely. Third question then, your favorite place to read about marketing online? It's got to be the Intercom blog. Edward. Yeah, Inside Intercom. It's pretty yeah. good. To be honest, that's actually the truth. 
it's almost like an aggregator for everything that's going on in the world of marketing for me. And obviously I have a vested interest in saying that, but it's always put through the right lens for me as well in a way that's going to be way more resonant with what I need to know in order to get our customers successful with our product to do the things they hear about in the SaaS world. So it's kind of a shortcut for me as well. Yeah, that's great. Then the fourth question, the most important growth metric for you. Uh, most important growth metric for me is our, like I said before, it is our trial to pay, but that's just from a selfish point of view, but I love our activation metrics as well in Intercom. Perfect. And then the fifth and final question, what would be your one piece of advice for fellow marketers working in SaaS? For fellow marketers working in SaaS, it'd be actually something I just said about with the start with why question, is to never forget that your customers are choosing you every month if you are a SaaS business. Um, it can be way too easy to be really, really um, high quality and perform it before the sale happens. But as soon as someone converts, you're getting little or no support or uh, poorly thought through help content. Um, just remember that your customer needs to be sold in this every month. You've been in their shoes before and by providing that pre-sale service after the sale, you're going to just have way more happy, uh, long-term valuable customers. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm actually writing this down, that this is a super, super good advice. Make sure your customers choose you every month. Well, love it. Phil, I have to say thank you so, so much for coming on the show and talking to us about how you approach onboarding and activation at Intercom. It was a real, real pleasure having you on the show. Awesome. Thanks, Edward. Thanks for the surprise, Fast Five. Really enjoyed that bit, actually. That was Phil Byrne of Intercom talking about how to turn new users into paying customers. Now, you can find Phil on Twitter at noisy underscore music. And if you're enjoying the show, then we'd love it if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think. Of course, if you have any other thoughts or feedback, then you're always welcome to reach out to me on Twitter at Nordic Edward or connect on LinkedIn. So thank you so much for listening to the Growth Hub podcast brought to you by Advance B2B. And this is your host, Edward Ford, signing off and make sure you check out advanceb2b.com for more content and resources on everything B2B SaaS growth. It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different